Good morning, North Terrace. You guys got a little bounce to you this morning. You should, sometimes it's fun to be backstage, like the worship team is often like, they were amazing this morning. So some of you guys might be like, oh, the music was so good. They celebrate you guys. Like they come back and like, man, everybody was singing their hearts out today. So glory to God. Praise be to God. We all got to worship God with all our hearts this morning. Amen? Isn't that cool? All right, so I owe Bill Mage and a little bit of an apology because I forgot to make an announcement before on his behalf, and I want to make sure I do that this time. Um, I don't. Bill served as our senior lead minister for 30 years, and now he's back on our team as our uh, lead minister of our senior adult community, which is maybe kind of that retired generation or about to retire. And every Sunday night at about 6 p.m., well, exactly at 6 p.m., um, they do a worship service. And the music is a lot of like our heritage and the hymns that we love. And uh, it's, it's a little more of an intimate setting. And so if that's something that would be attracted to you, I really want to invite you to be part of that. Plus, um, they're starting a brand new series called Escape from Gilligan's Island. Now, if that doesn't get your attention right there, come on. But um, they're going to just look at the seven characters of Gilligan Islands. I don't know if you know this or have ever thought about it, but this is a true story. Um, that the seven characters of Gilligan's Island are actually based on the seven deadly sins um, from classic religion and theology. And so if you think about who each one of those characters is and how they match up to the classic seven sins, um, it's a really fascinating thing. So they're going to look at one of those each week and how that reveals, you know, what's the danger of this sin and then how can we escape from that like they need to escape from Gilligan's Island. So Bill is awesome. Uh, my son Jonah actually got to preach at that service last Sunday night. That was neat for that. They, they have cookies after. I mean, come on. They, this is a neat opportunity. If you haven't been to that yet, and that sounds fascinating or interesting to you, I want to highly recommend you go into that. So there's my uh, PSA. I guess you would. I'm going to get that out of the way. So, so this is not subtle. It's literally on the screens. It's huge. It's on the scaffolding over here. Jesus is. And we're going to take the next five weeks here at North Terrace, and we're going to look at this statement from multiple angles and spend a lot of time, hopefully leading each of us to a new understanding of how we would finish that. So the first question to ask this morning is where you are in life, where you are with God right now. If I were to say Jesus is blank, you fill that in. What would you put there? And we've already seen a lot of people, and you can begin to see some of these are being posted on the scaffolding. And uh, like Zach said, you can do those at any point during this series, and we'd be happy to post them up here. I want to encourage you guys to post them on Facebook. I literally think like among our, our North Terrace community of friends and family, that would be trending right now on Facebook. Even people who didn't know about it saw their friends doing it, and they started doing it on their own. That, to me, that's just kind of cool. I kind of like that stuff like that. So back to the thought, though. Is it, is it really that important of an exercise for us to even try to answer and finish the Jesus is what? You know, and I would say, I, I really do believe it is. And, and we're going to have this thread run through all five weeks of this series culminating on Easter. And the thread is this. How you finish this statement defines your life. It has that much weight and gravity to it. This is not a minor inconsequential experience. It, and, and the reality is, you answer this either intentionally or you answer it accidentally, but it is not optional. You have somehow already figured out who Jesus is to you and how you're experiencing him. And we want to spend time in these next five weeks 
not just saying, well, here's what Chris thinks, or here's what Matt thinks, or, you know, we're going to have some neat videos. I really appreciate Mike and Megan telling some of their story, that Jesus is their pursuer, and that was how they have begun to experience him, that when they tried to run away, he kept chasing them and was so persistent that he finally got their attention and brought them back home in their hearts and in their minds and literally geographically. Pretty amazing story. But how would you do that? And, and, and how is that then defining your life? We want to look at what Scripture says. So each week we're going to look at something that the Bible teaches us about who Jesus is. And, and today we're going to look at Jesus is an escape artist. And you may be like, what? I've never thought about Jesus as an escape artist. Are you saying Jesus is Houdini? And I would say, no, no, no. Houdini probably learned things from Jesus. But I doubt if you know, Jesus learned a lot of things from Houdini. But the idea that Jesus had an innate, I would say a powerful ability to get out of the busy, the busy life and find places of peace and connection with God. And we're really going to take a hard look at that this morning and try to get in to see what scripture can teach us about who he was and what that can teach us. But, but here's, a, here's a parallel thought to the Jesus is, because we want you to finish the statement but when you finish the statement, Jesus is, and as we study what Scripture says Jesus did, if we are Christians, which means followers of Christ, the, the implied concept or truth is, then are we doing that? Because we want to do what Jesus did. We want to be more like him. So if Jesus was an escape artist, are there things we can learn from him that would help us become escape artists? And is there a good reason we should be pursuing that kind of behavior or pattern in our life? So this morning, I I hope to, not just this morning, over the next five weeks, we hope to encourage you, we hope to teach you, but we really, okay, you ready? We hope to disturb you in a good way. Like if there are places we've become comfortable, places we've become static and and, and maybe even stuck, that God would then dislodge. He He would upset us in a healthy way so that we could experience new growth, a new, a new aspect of who Jesus is. And so isn't that a weird thing to pray for somebody? I pray that God would disturb you. I pray that he would make you uncomfortable. But there's a good reason for that. And I don't want him to cause you pain. I want him to lead something in your life to growth. So we're going to spend a lot of time on that today. I hope that this main thought today really pops from Scripture. And we're going to put it on the screen here and in your notes. I know a lot of you guys are really good note takers. Here's what we're going to spend a lot of time around. We need to escape, that's the idea of escape artists, from our busy lives to discover how Jesus can escape from our expectations. So let's just spend a little time breaking this down. We need to escape from our busy lives. Anybody relate to that at all? Okay, how many of you have a vacation that you are looking forward to on your calendar already? You're like, if I can just make it to that day, we're going to be okay. Okay, so knowing knowledge, we all agree, right? And some of you are like, oh, please, God, let me have a vacation at some point. You know, we're all across the spectrum on that. But we, we look forward to it, these light at the end of the tunnel moments from our busy lives. And maybe that should be one of the first indicators that maybe we're too busy. Maybe our lives are too cluttered and we need to create some space for God to speak, to show up so we can experience him. Now, the outcome we want from these escapes is not just to tune out and shut down. There's actually a very intentional, active um, experience participation role you're playing. Because it'd be one thing to unplug and just totally uh, distance yourself from everything. To intentionally get out of the busy and then intentionally listen and tune into who God is is what we're trying to do. Because we want to discover how Jesus can exceed our expectations, how he can escape from what we have already locked him in and say, show me something 
knew about who you are, Jesus, knew about who God is through you, because in learning that, I can then be a better follower of you. So that's the key thought we're going to spend a lot of time around today. And and to get our heads around this and maybe even understand why Jesus did this as a model for us, I want to spend a lot of time in Scripture. So let's go ahead and go to the first story we're going to look at. You got your Bibles and Bible apps. I want to encourage you to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to just read a few verses here in just a little bit, and you're going to see the beginning of it right here. I want to give you some context and what's going on as we start reading this. The guy who's the main character outside of God in this story is a guy named Elijah. Now, Elijah is a prophet. And so, anybody, uh, just here's how I used to hear prophet, think what, what I would use to visualize when I thought of prophets. And I wonder if you, you understand this or feel the same way. I used to picture like really old guy, like barely able to stand up. Like he had a stick so he could like lean against it. And he had like a long flowing white beard and had my hairline. So it was always receding. You can't have good hair if you're a prophet apparently, at least in my mind. And I always pictured him like borderline, like so feeble, he was already almost ready to go on like the hospice care. Like he's just not going to make it much longer. That was my picture. But the Elijah of 1 Kings 18 is like way closer to William Wallace and Braveheart than he is to my picture. Because he has this amazing Super Bowl of, of faith and God moment on what we call Mount Carmel. It's this uh, mountain just north of Jerusalem. And there's these these prophets of Baal. Baal is a Mideastern deity that caused a lot of problems for the Israelites. And it was 400 prophets of Baal versus one Elijah. So the odds are not that good for Elijah, except that God is actually real and Baal is a man-made deity, which means he ain't real. So there's this contest and God wins. God literally provides fire from heaven. It comes down, it devours the sacrifice. And then Elijah says, I win. The cost of losing is y'all get to die. And the Bible says that he killed 400 prophets of Baal. That ain't some old dude leaning on a stick barely upright. That's William Wallace going, me and God got this. Here we go. We're purifying. We're removing these men who have misled our people and taking them away from God. So those guys had a leader, those 400. Her name was Queen Jezebel. Anybody ever heard that name? Because she always has a great reputation, right? She puts out a death warrant on Elijah. Now, this is Steele's moment. Dude, God just provided fire from heaven. Bring your death warrant on, woman. Because God got my back. Except I think as much as I talk trash like that, I'd probably be more like Elijah actually is in this story, which is death warrant. She's the queen. I'm in trouble. Oh, my goodness. And off this pinnacle mountain moment where God was so clear and exceeded his expectations, he then out of fear, anxiety, fatigue, pain, flees into the desert and goes as low as he's ever gone because in those next verses of, of 1 Kings 19, he has words like, I wish I were dead. I'm no better than my forefathers. That's pretty low. This is a mighty man of God who's bottoming out. And you might say that's how he escaped his busy life, but that was just him running away. He wasn't engaging intentionally. He was just scared. And that's when God does something amazing. And I can't wait to preach that first part of 1 Kings 19 some other time because I love it. But the rest of the story is that God sends Elijah on this journey for 40 days and he goes to this mountain. And where we're going to pick up is this life-changing experience for Elijah. So if you've got your Bibles, 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to read verses 11 through 13. And they go like this. And he said, this is God talking, go out, 
stand on the mount before the Lord. So, so Elijah did it. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Now, I've been in a good windstorm, but I ain't seen nothing like that. That's like, put me in the bunker first. So that, that is some kind, I, I, that's like F5 times 5. That's like F25 right there. That is, that is God blowing. But listen to this key statement at the end of that. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Well, I, I, I don't want to be part of that either. That's terrifying. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and it said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? It's an amazing story. This is like one of those Hollywood special effect things, isn't it? Like boom, boom, big, big stuff. Michael Bay movie. But at the end, there is this whisper the quiet voice of God that out of all the busy and all the noise speaks clearly. And Elijah and God have a conversation that leads to a whole new season of rebirth and revival for Elijah. And he ends up finishing his time in this world as strong and as powerful for God as he's ever been. But this story teaches me a few things about how God normally works. And I guess I want to share them with you and let's see if we can get our heads around them because I believe Jesus lives those truths out in the New Testament, because Jesus isn't in the story. So if Jesus is the escape artist, why are we reading this? Because this tells us some of Jesus' intention and why he did what he did later. So here's a first thought. God can do big and powerful things to get our attention. Anybody agree with that? He's God. If he needs to get your attention with thunder and lightning, he'll do it. If he needs to use wind and fire and an earthquake, he'll do it. But let me give you a thought or a truth I've learned that's not written in this. God can do big and powerful things to get our attention, comma, but they're often very painful. Amen? Like when he has to get my attention that way, this is not the most pleasant way. What this means is if God's gotten to this point is that I have not listened to the gentle whisper. This means I was so busy and distracted and noisy head, noisy heart, noisy spirit, that God was like, steal. I've been trying to get your attention. I love you enough, and you need to hear this enough that we've tried the easy way. Now we got to do it this way. Now God will be as gentle as he can be, but he will be as bold and powerful as he needs to be to get your attention. And I believe that's a truth we've got to get our heads around. And it's something we actually have some say or input in in how we experience our relationship with him. So Elijah, in his busy head, busy heart, had to learn a lesson to get pulled out of all the busy to experience God's gentle whisper. And I wonder if you relate to that at all. So here's a second thought that kind of plays off that. God most often shows up in our quiet moments. That's where we're most able to experience and hear him. He does show up in the big, 
but his most preferred pattern that I see in scripture and that I've observed in the lives of myself and friends is that he is most consistently showing up when we pause, when we unplug, when we step back from all the normal busy and give him space. And so when we turn it off, the radio, all the radio static of our lives and give him one channel to speak into, we often hear him better. And you, that's why, give me a second, I need to cough. That's why we plan vacations, so we can get all the busy and the noise out of the way. And I would say, I've even experienced this, I have a good friend, Dr. Allen, he's an orthopedic surgeon here in town, and so like a lot of doctors, he has a very busy full schedule. And about a year ago, he went with our Haiti missions team down to Haiti for a week, and one of his experiences midweek, he said, this is kind of hard. Because in Haiti, time is different. We call it Haiti time. We put the word ish on the end of every scheduled moment. So we're going to start church at 11. We're going to start church at 11-ish. So we're going to eat at noon. But that means we're going to eat at noon-ish. And when you've, when you've learned to live your life by the watch and the calendar, ish is difficult. But when we slow like that and we become more event-oriented and people-oriented matter more, the time becomes kind of irrelevant. We'll get to it. It'll get done. And there's a certain freedom and peace that comes. And that's one of the things Dr. Allen told us. We're sitting with our group, and what are we learning this week? What are we hearing from God? He's like, I'm finding joy and peace in this calm and in this pace where I'm not in control. And he was beginning to find God in the quiet moments. And he said some of the, his best prayer and Bible study happened just by himself. I love that. I've experienced it myself. And I tell you that story to hopefully encourage you that this does lie ahead of you and is very possible for you to experience. All right, so that's Elijah's story and some truths that we can begin to apply. But I want to take you now to the New Testament and we're going to look at a story from Jesus because he is an escape artist. He's really good about getting away from the noisy crowd, the loud crowd, and getting into some quiet experiences with God. So you got your Bibles? Your Bible apps? Matthew chapter 17. Now, I bet some of you have heard this story before. This, again, would easily fall in the Hollywood special effects storyline. There's some amazing moments that happen in this story. And uh, it can teach us, again, some things about who God is and who his son Jesus is. So this is going to start with a very simple description of what's happening. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 1, it tells us that Jesus was going to go up. After six days, as Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Now, we'll stop there. Jesus was consistently, during his time with the disciples, as we have recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's this repeated phrase or some version of this phrase. And Jesus went out by himself to pray. And Jesus went out to pray. And Jesus went out early in the morning to pray. I mean, it's like, if you could have defined Jesus by a normal pattern of behavior, you would have said early on in the top 10 list, Jesus likes to go off by himself and spend time alone. I mean, that was a normal experience. So his disciples who've been traveling with, with him for three years, this is not uncommon for him to go off by himself. And apparently, sometimes he'd take the 12 which were his immediate followers. And sometimes he would take the three. These were the closest three to him. And sometimes he would even take the one, which uh, is John, the one he loved. But he was often getting away from the loud crowd 
and they went up by themselves. They got away from the busy. And here's what's going to happen. When they get up on this mountain, God is going to help them experience Jesus in a whole new way. He's going to exceed their expectations. He's going to escape from what they thought they knew he was. So let's keep reading here. And he was transfigured. Interesting word. We'll talk about that in a second. He was transfigured before them. And his face face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So do you get, do you get what just happened? And there's a whole lot more to the story we're going to touch on in a sec. But what just happened is they go up on this mountain, probably Peter, James, and John are like, okay, now we're going to kneel and we're going to pray and we're going to talk to the, the Abba Father, Yahweh. We're going to spend this time in communion. And all said, and just Jesus, the safe Jesus, the Jesus they'd come to know becomes transfigured. It means he, he escaped their expectations. He became more than he was. You might use the word transformed. And, and they use some really specific descriptions about what happened. What happened to his face? It shone like the what? Well, that's a dim light, right? And if your face shone like the sun, they would ask you to do what they did to Moses, who when he encountered God and came before the Israelites, they said, your face is shining like the sun. God's glory is reflecting off you and through you. Would you please cover it? When that happens, we are often overwhelmed when we encounter God's glory like that. And then there's a second thing. And his clothes began to do what? Shine like white radiant. You know where language like this shows up somewhere else in the Bible? If you go to Revelation and the descriptions of Jesus at the end of time, he will shine like the sun. And his clothes will be as radiant and white as driven snow. He, I mean, it is a beautiful picture at the end of time of who Jesus will be. So let me give you something I think God's doing here. See, I think Peter, James, and John have been traveling for Jesus for three years. And things have gotten routine and comfortable. But this is not far before Jesus is going to be crucified. God needs them to understand clearly who Jesus really is. And so he does a powerful thing. They get away from the loud crowd. They go into this moment where they're going to spend some time with the father. And then God does this. The veil, the curtain of Jesus's humanity, God, he parts it and he gives them this little peek of what lies ahead. A little hint, a taste of who Jesus really is. And just Jesus became, whoa. Because when you've been comfortable with Jesus for a while and you've got your just Jesus patterns down, you come to church and you sing songs about your just Jesus and he's safe and he's comfortable and you love it. And you go home and go, that was a good day with just Jesus. Jesus, thanks for being just Jesus. I really love having you being part of my life. And I wonder if Jesus is sometimes like, child, I love you and I adore you, adore you. And I'm, you got to trust me. I love you so much that I'm about to disturb your life. Because if all I'm ever going to be to you is just Jesus, you're missing out. Because I am, whoa. I am the more than you could imagine, Jesus. I am, by the way, Jesus, finished, <laughs> Jesus God, in the next verse, which we didn't read, finishes this statement. You want to know who God thinks Jesus is? Here's what the next verse says. A voice from heaven spoke and it said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
So God parts the veil of Jesus' humanity, reveals his glory through Jesus, and the apostles, Peter, James, and John, speechless, except then Peter does what Peter always does. Well, we got to do something. we got to do something. Let's build shrines. Let's build something. And that's when God goes, whoa, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There's one thing you need to do. What's God's command? When we encounter Jesus and he exceeds our expectations, God's command of us is to do what? Listen to him. In other words, do what he says. Because in listening, it's not just to learn, it's to obey. And I want to challenge you and encourage you that when you begin to hear God's voice clearly, it can be a blessing that comes with a curse. And the curse is this, it comes with responsibility because you can no longer claim, well, I didn't know. Because when God begins to speak to you, he then expects you to obey. And if you willfully choose to disobey, that's not on him, that's not on anybody else, that's on us. Because that's me sticking my hand in God's face and saying, I hear you, I understand you, but no. And that means Jesus is just Jesus. But God says he's the son of God. And that he is well pleased with him. And that we need to listen to him. So a couple thoughts out of that. Jesus was famous for getting away from the loud crowd. He was well known for it. And we want to be like him. So if he's saying, be like me, we've got to build into our lives some rhythm and pattern of space and quiet. We've got to create places where God can speak in his gentle whisper so that we can hear him and do what God said to the apostles that he also said to us. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I want to listen to him. And then I would say this. Jesus escaped from the narrow expectations of the disciples to show them God's glory. It wasn't so he could say, dude, did you see me? I was like all on fire. Jesus didn't do it so he shone. He did it so God shone through him. And that's what he wants us to do. And so there's something that happens when we escape and find that time with God. And there's something that happens in our experience with Jesus where we go, you are more than I could imagine. You are more than my best picture of you. You're more than just Jesus. You're the son of God. That changes everything. And when I accept it as true, it changes my whole life. It defines everything from that moment forward. So that's a lot to think about out of that story of transfiguration. Let me give you a couple practical things. I think you can begin to expect to experience with Jesus and with God, when you begin to escape yourself and see how he escapes. Here's the first one. You will begin to see more clearly a picture of who Jesus is in the world and in your life. When you escape, you can see clearly because all the things that distract begin to diminish and become less. And you get this intense focus where all that matters is Jesus. Man, if there's anything that's going to change everything in your life, it's Jesus being Jesus. Man, I, I, I've never been diagnosed, but I think I got borderline ADHD. I mean, let's be honest. Squirrel, you know, I mean, I, I'm there. But I have found this beauty 
a focus on Jesus that makes things that used to matter so much to me, okay, we'll, we'll take care of them. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to dismiss it like it's trivial, but what matters most is Jesus. And he tells me and guides me, and I want to listen to him. And so he helps me deal with that. So as long as I have my eyes on him, a lot of things come into focus. Here's the second thing I think you can begin to expect. You'll begin to hear God more clearly. When you find that space and begin to hear amongst all the voices, but you begin to spend more time with God, the other voices fade. And I got a lot of voices in my head and heart. Some of them are my own. Some of them are other people. So the minister's now crazy. Now you know that. But but don't act like you don't understand. (laughs) And now I've condemned you all to be crazy with me. Go God. (laughs) But you all know what I mean? When I do something, sometimes I hear, I wonder what they think. Wonder how they, I wonder how they receive that. I bet they're mad. And, and I give way too much weight to voices that should have no weight in my life. I don't even like those people. Why do I care what they think? And you all laugh because you know. Well, you just got the minister pointing finger. We're about to get rowdy now. Here we go. Ready? Those voices got to be silent. So I hear one voice. God, what do you think of me? Tell me who Jesus is and tell me who I need to be. And if you tell me that clearly, I now must make a choice. Will I obey? And if I hear you clearly and make that choice to obey, God, what did you promise? You'll be with me. You got my back and eternity is secure. Bring it on, life. He didn't promise that every moment after I followed him and obeyed him would be easy. He just promised that the end of the story is amazing and I'm not going to go through the in-between times alone. Oh yeah, here we go. That is something you can count on. It's something you can anticipate with everything and who you are. And in the midst of all the noise and all the crazy, when sometimes my head is so busy with anxiety, my heart is so torn up by the storms and stress of everyday life, I just need to stop and pause and experience one more thing that happens when I escape from every day. It's that you can breathe deep because God says, I got this. And I find peace where every other instinct says there should be no peace because God's with me. So I will not be afraid. I won't. Fear comes and I give it to him because I can't handle it on my own. So I won't be afraid. It doesn't get to own me. I will find great joy in some of the most painful moments of life, not because they're fun, but because God is with me and it's a matter of him working out the details of how he's going to win, not if he's going to win. And y'all better say amen to that. So when you find those moments to pause and you begin to breathe deep, a lot of stuff changes, including who Jesus is. I wonder what Jesus used to trigger him into those moments of calm and peace. A lot of songs have done that for me over the years. And we're going to have Zach come and sing a song that has meant a lot to me. The words of it strike me as something Jesus would have said to God as he was spending time alone with him. And they ring really true in my heart and help me recenter in the midst of all the storms of life. I hope they're an encouragement for you. Listen to these words. 
This is my father's world And to my listening ears All nature sings and round me rings The music of the spheres This is my father's world me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand the wonders rock. This is my father's world, oh let me never forget. with me and he's never left. And every day that I think I've about got him figured out, he blows it up to a whole new level of experience with him. See, I think, uh, I think we're really good about putting Jesus in a safe little box and making him safe Jesus. Because we're scared of what it would mean if he really became the Jesus God promises. The Jesus who is the son of God who says to us, my father told you to listen. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Because then we'd have to do it. So we make Jesus part of our lives on our terms. And we, and we put him in a safe little box. And usually most of the week we keep that box under our bed or on our nightstand or maybe in the closet. And then it's Sunday morning. So we get our Jesus box out. We come to church and we open it up and say, Oh, Jesus, now I get to sing songs to you. You're so amazing. I love you. Just Jesus, you're great. And then when we're done and we say goodbye, we go home usually probably before we leave the parking lot. We put him away and we get back to life on our terms. I've lived here and it seems real safe. But this is a lie. And it's one of the most insidious lies that Satan convinces us of is that we can experience Jesus this way. But let me tell you a truth that I've learned. When I opened up the box where I thought my safe Jesus was, he wasn't there. Because he doesn't hide in no box. The Son of God does not hide in any little box 
that any man makes, he throws that aside and says, child of mine, let me be amazing. Let me blow your mind with who I am. Because there's going to come a day when you're box and you stand before God and you open it up and it's going to be empty and that's all you've got to show, you're going to be crushed. Because Jesus is, is optional right now. You, you get to decide how you finish this statement. But God gave us a hint of what the answer is going to be at the end of time. But in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, we get a little bit of a picture of what's going to happen at the end of time. And it says that we will have to stand before God the Father. And we'll have to give an account for our lives and how we lived in this life. If we had Jesus in a box on our terms, it don't work that way. But if we chose Jesus on his terms, if we acknowledged him in this world, that on that day, the answer to this, according to God, is this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Did you listen to him? And your answer determines everything. Read these words from Matthew 10, 32 and 33 with me. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. You get what Jesus just said? Let me out of the box. Let me walk with you. Let me escape from the safe little places you want me to operate. Let me be amazing. And I will be amazing for you before God the Father. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. I care enough about you, I got to tell you that, so that you can be ready for that day. And to be ready for that day means today you finish this statement. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He is my amazing. He is my answer. And there is no other. And if you replace that answer with anything else, when that day comes, he will have an answer. They didn't know us. They didn't obey. They didn't listen. So we're going to sing, This is My Father's World as as a family, as a church. And if you need prayer today about who Jesus is, let's pray. If you need to make a decision to go, I'm tired of doing Jesus on my terms. I want him to be amazing. I want him to be more than just Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Then you come forward. Let's figure out what that looks like for you, what that next step would be. Let's stand and sing. This is my father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings around me, rings the music of the
a family, multiple generations represented. This is the Jewel family. This is Sandy Jewel. She's mama slash grandma. And Jeremiah, because I'm good with names, but I don't even want to mess this one up. Would you introduce your clan? Sure. This is Janessa. And this is uh, Jace and my wife, Jessica. I'm holding Jacob. And this is uh, Marcus, my nephew who lives with us. And my oldest daughter, Jasmine. So God has blessed this family with a full house. But they love the Lord, and they've been worshiping with us for a while, and they just wanted to say today in a formal way, we're with you. But we, we love the Lord, we're, we're followers of Jesus, but we want to work in harmony with you to accomplish God's mission here at North Terrace. So our tradition is that to affirm membership, you affirm your faith in the Lord. And so I'm going to ask that you repeat after me together, and you can say it in the mic if you want, you guys can just be loud, but I would like you all to join together as they affirm their faith, just to repeat this basic confession. It goes like this, I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. And I have accepted Him. And I have accepted Him. As my Lord. As my Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. Well, in a lot of effective ways, you've been part of the family, but this removes all doubt. So, welcome to the crazy, most dysfunctional family of God we've ever found, but it's awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Get to know them if you don't know them already. And we welcome you guys. Miss Sandy, welcome. Hey, I just have a couple of announcements for you. Um, number one is we want you to escape and spend some time uh, with God and to get to know a little bit more about who Jesus is. And one of the ways you can do that is through this helpful tool. This is um, our new NT journal. And so this is over at Connection Point, available for $5. And it's a great way for you to take some notes during your small group time or during the sermon. So definitely pick one of these up if you're into that. Uh, but also make sure you check out our stations. We'll probably take down the two on the sides for chairs, but uh, the two in the back will be there. Make your Jesus is poster, share that with the world, and make sure you bring it to us so we can add to our stage here. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you next Sunday.